0: Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Let's um, do our scripture reading today. It's from the Gospel of Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. If you have the Red Pew Bibles, you'll find it on page 187. Before we begin, let's have a prayer asking God's blessing. Lord of all creation, in these troubled times, you are strong, you are sure, you are life, You endure, you are good, always true. You are light, breaking through. As we listen to these words, open our hearts and minds to receive your encouragement, your hope, and your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness, As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Then take the shield of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all of the saints. And pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: I want to encourage you to keep your Bibles open. A couple places that I want you to look at as we work through some of these thoughts. Before we enter into the heart of this text, though, would you just take a moment and uh, let's, let's just pray for our nation. It, it dawned on me as I again read the news this morning that over the last 7 to I don't know 10 days 35 people in this country were killed by direct mass shooters and uh, the most recent one was this morning in Dayton Ohio yesterday we heard what happened at that Walmart in El Paso Texas and then earlier in the week in that other Walmart in Mississippi and then at that uh, garlic festival in Northern California just the you know you wonder what's going on and we know that uh, we serve a God who is concerned about these things and it's very much a part of uh, what it means to be a believer is to care about what's going on around us in the world we can't just uh, hide under a rock but even as we worship here this morning we want to renew ourselves in God's power so that in whatever way God is calling us and enabling us we can help make a difference in the world but one of the things we we can do is pray and I know in the media there's been a lot of sort of a dismissal of prayer and yet prayer is one of the places to begin it's not the only thing we do but it's one of the places to begin and I can only imagine the grief the shock the terror that's been brought upon these families and these um, victims Let's just pray together. Would you let's take a moment just to be silent before the Lord and to lift up these, these various communities. God, we know that this is not your design. This is not what you envisioned for the way we as human beings would treat each other. But this is the reality that we face, the evil, the violence that grips our land, it grips our communities. And God, we are here in relative safety in Evanston and the North Shore, but we still remember our human family, people who were at a garlic festival or people employees who were at a Walmart store in Mississippi or at a Walmart store in El Paso, Texas, or in Dayton, Ohio, early this morning, who started the day and didn't get back home. God, we are, we're broken, we're angry, we're deeply concerned, and we pray that you would show us the way forward, that you would Empower our government leaders to do the courageous thing, to do what is right. We, God, we pray that you will allow each and every one of us to be part of the answer and never part of the problem. Lord, have mercy upon these families now that are grieving, upon little boys and little girls who witnessed these violent acts and heard the explosions of guns in a Walmart store. Lord, have mercy, we pray. Bring healing. Bring hope, bring help to America, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want us to end our time in Ephesians this morning. And this is a, I can only pray that this book has helped you, it's helped me, it continues to help me in my walk with God because there is so much here in Ephesians for us as Christians. One of the things I want you to see this morning in Paul's writing is that he wants us to understand how big God is. And that's why he starts out with this majestic view of God, the majesty of God, the wonder of who God is. That God, from the foundations of the world, knew us and loved us and called us to be his very own that he adopted us, that he has forgiven us, that he's given us the Holy Spirit, and on and on, Paul went, describing to us the ways in which God, out of God's own initiative, out of God's own love and mercy, that he has just lavished, Paul says, his grace upon us. We also read how the cross has healed that divide between the Jew and the Gentile, how the cross has broken down that wall of partition, and there is now peace through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we read about the mission of the church, and we read about the expectation that God has of us to be people in the world who are living out what it means to be, the, to be children of God, how we treat each other, the, the, the kind of clothes that we wear. He says, take off that clothing that describes who we were without Christ and put on that new clothing that we now have in Christ. And he went on and talked about the kinds of relationships we should have in our home, and our relationships with our children, and the relationships even in the workplace, and in that culture, as we heard Melanie tackle last Sunday, the issue of slavery in a culture like that, and even the, the, the residual uh, effects of slavery in an American culture as we live in. But then Paul talks to us about how we should then live in a culture like that. And then he ends on this very solemn note. This very solemn note, he closes the letter. And it's as if he wants us to know that in order for us to live out the new life in Christ with God, with each other, and in the world, we must understand that we're going to be living out that life in an atmosphere of intense spiritual warfare. And when I say spiritual warfare, I am talking about the existence of unseen, wicked, dark spiritual forces that stand opposed to everything, every good thing that God has blessed and God wants to do in the world, that there are forces in this world. And I know the minute I say that, for some of you, that's a huge turnoff. I know that. We've been so schooled in the Western mindset, so trained to dismiss the immaterial And we will only accept what can be proven empirically i understand that and i'm still telling you that what paul is telling us this morning is that this life with christ is going to be lived out in an environment of intense spiritual warfare and what the devil wants us to do is to lean into our western mindset and dismiss him or As C.S. Lewis points out, he wants us to obsess about him. And what I tell people all the time is billions of people around the world who are just as sophisticated as we are, just as intelligent as we are, understand that where they live, there is a power struggle that is going on. And what I often say is, can that many people around the world be wrong? The other thing I tell people is that the reason why I know this to be true is that when you read the life of Jesus, Jesus, his life on this earth, the three years of his life on this earth was in an intense struggle between the powers of darkness who wanted to stop him in his mission of being the redeemer and the savior of the world. And so I asked the question, can so many people around the world be wrong? Can the Bible on this topic be wrong? The other thing I would throw out to you, and I heard, I heard Tim Keller make this point, that do you believe in God? Most of us would say, yes, I believe in God. So why is it not possible that just as there is a good God, there is also an anti-God, an anti-Christ, a demonic force that stands opposed to the goodness of God. And so, yes, there is this spiritual warfare that is going on And that's what I want to talk to you about very quickly before we come to the communion table, that there is this ancient enemy who must be resisted in the strength and in the power of Almighty God. Now, remember now, this is not the first time that Paul is mentioning this kind of thing to the church at Ephesus. I want you to, if you have your Bibles open, you could go to page 100 and, uh, what is this, 154? Let me put my eyes on so I can read don't laugh. Page 134 in the Red Pew Bible, in the New Testament part of the Bible. And I want you to see where Paul I've already said words like this to his brothers and sisters at the church at Ephesus. In Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 30, look at what Paul said. This is before he goes to Jerusalem. He said, keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock. Of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers who is he talking to he's talking to the elders of the church keep watch over the church keep watch over the flock God has made you overseers over the flock to shepherd the church of God that he has obtained with his blood and then these ominous words I know that after I have gone savage wolves savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock some even from your own group will come distorting the truth in order to entice the disciples to follow them. And then he says in verse 21, 31, therefore be alert, be alert. Paul seems to know something that we need to know. He knows that that church in Ephesus would face an uphill hand-to-hand combat with the devil And he knows that that church in Ephesus would not have the power, the wisdom, the strength to fight this enemy. And so he tells them in in Ephesians 6, and if you want to go back to Ephesians 6 and verse 10, he tells them, look, finally, this is the last thing I want to tell you. He says, I want you to be strong. Be strong how? He says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. And guys, just, just let that soak in, would you? Notice where the strength comes from. It's in the Lord. It's in the strength, the mighty strength of God's power. This is the only way the church has survived these 2,000 years. I'm telling you guys, this is the only way the church has survived these 2,000 years. It's through the power of God. And Paul names this enemy. He says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of God's might. And he tells them to put on the whole armor of God so you can take your stand against. And he uses that name, the devil. The devil, that's a noun form of a verb to describe this force that we're talking about. And when we think about the devil in this way, we're talking about somebody who lies. Jesus said the devil is a liar. The devil is a slanderer. The devil is an accuser. The devil is is the adversary of the church. The devil opposes what God is doing. Paul wants us to know that the devil hates the church because Jesus died for the church. He's committed to the demise of every church. And so Paul ends the letter and he invites the church to not be afraid. So how do we remain strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? He tells us in the next verse, put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to stand with courage against the wiles. That word there literally means the devil has these strategies. The devil has these methods that he uses against God's people to to defeat us. So you can take your stand against the wiles, the methods, the, the schemes, and the strategies of the devil at work in this dark world. Why do we need the power of God? Why do we need the armor of God? And he tells us, because we are in a struggle. And I remember several summers ago, and I don't know if my, any of my children are here, but I can tell this story. Several summers ago, we were in New York. Our kids were pretty young at the time, and we went to this wedding. We were actually there to help set up for this wedding, my sister's wedding. This is years ago. And my two boys, Joel and Ray, decided to show off as to who was stronger. And they got into this battle with each other, and they were, I mean, friendly battle, even though as it went on, it got heated. And I actually filmed it, and after all these years, every time I see it, I die laughing, and I show it to them. But they were in the heat of the sun, hand-to-hand. Joel is pushing Ray, and Ray's pushing Joel, and they're trying to say, Who can pull that person down to the ground? And they had three rounds of that, and I was the judge, so I declared a draw. But when Paul says our struggle, what he's saying is our hand-to-hand combat with the devil is not against enemies of flesh and blood. Now, I don't think he's saying that the devil can't work through flesh and blood, He's saying, in addition to that, our struggle is not just against enemies of flesh and blood. And we know that the devil can work through people. We know that for a fact. Jesus, when he rebuked the devil, when Peter was trying to discourage him from going on to the cross, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was acknowledging the way in which Satan was working through Peter to discourage but we're not only fighting flesh and blood you know one of the strategies that CS Lewis talks about in his book screw tape letters he talks about this older demon who was teaching the younger demon how to seduce Christians so that the Christian would focus on the people and on the church would focus on their faults and their foibles and their weaknesses to become complainers and grumblers all day all day long just focusing on what's wrong with the church And the older demon says, I want you to do that to the younger demon because this will keep them focused on each other instead of focusing on the enemy. Who do you think the demons were referring to as the enemy? Jesus, God they see Jesus and God as the enemy and they said look let's tempt the christians let's seduce them into looking at each other and focusing on the weaknesses and the flaws of each other and complaining about everything that's wrong with the church and then we will have them we'll be able to distract them we'll be able to blur their vision they will lose sight of god they will lose sight of what god is doing in their lives and paul says remember our struggle is beyond what flesh and blood is doing our struggle And then he lists these these, uh, seeming hierarchies of demonic forces. Our struggle is with the rulers and the authorities against cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And when you hear that description of the layers and layers of demonic forces that are at work in the world, how does it make you feel? When I read that, sometimes I feel overwhelmed. When I read that, I think about all the violence in our world, and I know the devil is using that. It's not just the devil doing it. People are choosing to do it, but the devil will use that, and you feel overwhelmed. You feel overwhelmed, and you wonder, what do we do? Paul says, that's why I want you to put on the whole armor of God that if we are going to survive in this struggle, we need special armor, we need special empowerment. And so Paul says, I want you to take up. Some translations say, I want you to take along the whole, the whole suit, the whole armor of God so that you may be able to have the capacity. And that's the word right there. You may be able. You'll have the ability, you'll have the capacity to withstand and to resist. And if you've, after you've done everything, To stand firm. You know, when I read that, what it tells me is that God did not call us to run. God did not call us to cower. We're called to stand. Stand in God's power. Because the days are evil. They're here. They're here. And what he does through the rest of that, then, he describes the pieces of that armor. Truth. Righteousness. The gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. Think about that. These are all gifts that God has given to us. Paul is saying we must put these on. And The sense you get in reading that is it's not just putting it on once and for all, but it's putting it on and putting it on and putting it on and putting it on and putting it on because the devil keeps coming. The devil keeps coming, and we put on the belt of truth. And we put on the breastplate of righteousness and we, we we put on the gospel of peace our shoes the gospel of peace so that we can stand because the devil is an accuser and one of the things the devil does is to unseat us to to distract us to disturb us and we need something to stabilize us and it's the gospel the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead to forgive us of our sins nothing can move us from that the shield of faith the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. And one more piece that we sometimes overlook is prayer. He says, and I want you to pray at all times with all kinds of intercessions and supplications to pray. And you know that Paul believes in prayer because he said to them, I want you to pray for me. Pray for me that, that I might have courage and I might know what I need to say when I have those opportunities to preach the gospel. Pray for me that God would, would use me in my gospel preaching as I go around the world. Paul believes in the efficacy of prayer. When we were in Israel just a few weeks ago, we had the opportunity to go onto the to the what's called the um, where the, the um the Dome of the Rock is located, and one of the instructions KK gave us as we went up there, he said, I don't want any of you to be praying. At least if you're going to pray, pray with your eyes open, but don't, 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 don't take on a posture of prayer. And all of us were saying, why? What's wrong with that? He said, well, because Muslims believe in prayer. They believe in prayer, and they believe that when you pray, That something may happen. They believe that maybe Christians will come on that site and pray for the destruction of that mosque. So they don't want any prayer on that spot. And when I heard that, it so rocked my soul because I said, I wonder how many Christians believe in prayer. When you think of all the troubles that you have in your home and in your marriage and with the people at work and the problems raising your children and the difficulties living in these times, I wonder how many of us believe in the power of prayer. I'm always amazed, you know, come Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning when I sit in my office and I open up that envelope and it's usually about this thick with prayer requests from all of you. And I read them and I pray over them. And I see the burdens that our church, all of us, are carrying. It's amazing the difficulties that you and we are all carrying when we gather in this space. And we all look so good this morning, but we're carrying a burden. How many of us are lifting up those burdens to God? And then at the end of the service, when we ask for people to come forward for prayer, how many of us believe in the power of prayer to say, it's not the efficacy of the individual standing here, But it's the efficacy of God who hears prayers and so I'm gonna come forward and I'm gonna lay my burdens down I'm gonna give that husband over to God I'm gonna give that wife I'm gonna give that child I'm gonna give those problems those health concerns those 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 anxiety problems those fear about my future I'm gonna give it all to God I'm not going to let the devil use my fears and anxieties and problems to turn me away I'm going to pray. Paul says, pray for all the saints. Do you believe that? And I know that there are people here today who are discouraged about, and I'm going to use the word, the Big C Church. I saw the news this week about Joshua Harris, big-time evangelical persona in America and in the world, and he came out this week and said, I'm no longer a Christian. I'm renouncing Jesus. Or you hear about pastors and church leaders that we have such respect for, and they're splashed all over the media that they're molesting women, and they're violating their marriage vows, and they're stealing the church's money, and they're doing all kinds of things. And we hear about the priests, and we hear about the Baptist pastors, and just all over the media, the church just continues to mess up and do these horrible, horrible things and the label hypocrite, hypocrite, you know, is what we get, we get slapped with. We're hypocrites. Or sometimes people say, well, I, I'm just fed up with the church because the church doesn't do anything in the world. They don't care about the problems of the world. They don't have a concern for poverty, for hunger, for racism, for what's happening to women and babies. The, work, the church just doesn't care. And people give up on the church. And I'm telling you guys, that's why we need to pray. We have to come to God and say, God, Just like Hezekiah did when he heard that Sennacherib was at his door, he took that letter from that king who was on the verge of killing him and he brought it before God. He got on his knees and he said, Oh, God of the universe, you see and you know. And he went on and listed all the things that's happening to him. And the Bible says that God heard. Do we believe in prayer? Some people could say, if you went statistically, some people would say, no, Christians don't believe in prayer you go to any church in America and you go to their prayer meeting and guess who shows up you've got the five the six the ten showing up to pray you say well what's wrong with that picture well part of it could be people are praying maybe just not coming to a prayer meeting to pray so we'll we'll allow for that but I sometimes wonder if it's because we just see prayer as something we do before a meeting at the end of a meeting and before a meal Do we really believe that prayer is a weapon of spiritual warfare and the devil hates it when we pray and the devil loves it when we think we don't need to pray? Pray. It's one of the weapons. So I want to encourage you, my friends, to be aware of the devil's methods. I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on the Lord. I want you to follow him. I encourage you to follow him because Jesus will never fail you. The church will fail you. The church will go off the rails, but Jesus will never go off the rail. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. Jesus said one day, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus said, I'm building my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. My encouragement to you is put your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at me. I'm going to discourage you. And I'm not going to look at you because you're going to discourage me. But together, let's look at Jesus. And keep our eyes on him because Jesus has never left his church. In its darkest, darkest days, he was standing in the midst of his church and he wants us to stand and be that source of change and renewal. Jesus wants to work through you in his church, in the world. Jesus wants you to put on the whole armor, which is really Jesus is what you're putting on, when you put on truth and when you put on salvation and when you put on righteousness and when you put on faith and when you put on the, the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and you put on you put on the, you take up the, the, the shoes of the gospel you're really putting on Jesus so look to him cover your head cover your heart put on those shoes pick up the shield pick up the sword stop complaining stop whining join the struggle the darkness that's in the world be that light this is the time for us to stand up and fight but we're not gonna fight in our strength amen we're not gonna fight in our strength we're not gonna try it in our strength we're gonna use the weapons of prayer and faith and God's Word and God's righteousness And all that God has given to us, that's what we're going to use. And we Presbyterians are so good, we're so smart, we have so much money that it can fool us into thinking we have it all. But we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. And that's why we're coming to the table this morning, because we need Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say,